Good people and fellow students, welcome to a special edition of All That Yaz. Now, today's a special edition in that this is an episode, this is a review and news episode focused on one thing, because I think I told you guys about the Durban International Film Festival, and there was so much that happened that both myself and my guest got into that I didn't think that it would be fair to kind of box that in with everything else, because I watched over a dozen films, my guest watched nearly that, he also went to some talks. So this is a space where we're just focusing on the Durban International Film Festival. If you've never heard of that, the Durban International Film Festival is one of the premier film festivals in South Africa. It is currently in its 42nd year and the Durban International Film Festival this year took place virtually from the 22nd of July and ended on the 1st of August. So what we're here today is to talk about some of the films we watched, how some of the panels were in our general sense of the festival. So if you're into world cinema, if you're into South African film, African film, this is an episode definitely for you. And with me today is my business partner the numbers guy and the technical person who makes sure that all of this happens the yin to my yang the ren to my stimpy the tom to my jerry my brother <laughs> kibari wanjigona how you doing sir i am good i am good what an introduction uh <laughs> i'm sitting here trying to avoid popping my collar you know <laughs> Uh, how are you doing sir no i'm good i'm good i'm good how are you doing i'm i'm all right i'm all right i'm i'm happy we're back in light um we as a family had power issues on the final weekend of diff which heavily hindered some of the films which i wanted to watch i will find a way to get sons of the sea and murder in paris back on but nonetheless we move forth we move forth we move forth so the the way today's episode is going to go is very simple it's just basically just going to be a, a very casual discussion on some of the films we watched our main takeaways as such so between myself so actually let's start kips how many films actually did you watch from Diff? i on my short count here i watched 11 films of which one was a feature one was a full-length documentary and the rest were all fantastic shorts ranging from three minutes no i think one was actually one minute long all the way to around 38 minutes so I outdid him and I'm very proud of that fact because I started I, I started late in the game. I watched 12. <laughs> I watched a good dozen, just one more than him, um, of which three of them were feature films, one was a documentary and the rest were short films. I believe in the next category, my brother Wea trumps me because I was not able to attend a talk. But I know my brother attended a couple of talks. How many talks did you attend? So I got to I got to um, participate in five talks. Two on Monday, one Tuesday, one Thursday, one Friday. It was really, really interesting. I learned a lot. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Or should I talk about the talks? We're actually going to get into that now. So actually, I would like to know of all the talks, which one was your favorite that you kind of attended? Because I know there were two that you spoke to me about, which really like resonated with you. But what what are some of the ones that you think from a general perspective gave great either value of entertainment or value of education just give us a little bit about some of the talks that you actually went to and what was going on with them so i'll just go um talk by talk the first talk that i attended especially if you were a new entrant into the industry or a student it was great because it was a talk where five filmmakers 
from different writers, directors, were talking about some of the the programs, programs that they had used, uh, let's call them developmental programs. They'd all been involved with the double form access. It's kind of like a developmental program. They help from the point where your film is finished and they take you through all the way to the, to the point of distribution. So that was a fantastic talk. I enjoyed that one. The next talk, unfortunately, a lot of the speakers couldn't attend, but it was a talk specifically about um, the Durban Film Mart. I was really looking forward to it, but it seems a lot of the speakers weren't there. But uh, just to kind of cut in, the Durban Film Mart this year is going to be happening in August. And if you are a filmmaker or an aspiring filmmaker, I heavily implore you to go and attended because i attended last year's one and a lot of the information which has grounded how i've moved essentially the 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 last year in fact even a lot of the information which african film was based upon in terms of some of the conversations we had were born out of the format it is very business centric it's very sales based it's very it gives you a good grounding into film business from the back end perspective and i do believe that dates are somewhere from around the 16th of august or the 18th yeah somewhere around there somewhere around there so definitely if you are a filmmaker who's listening to this definitely go check those out so i attended another workshop this was on friday the friday workshop was to do with public relations and how to create a public uh, a pr sales and distribution plan and how to budget for it and it was actually more of a 45 minute long Q&A. So we had Rebecca Louisa Smith. It was just open. We could just field as many questions as we wanted. And it was great information. Um, They talked about simple things from when to start doing PR for your film, how to do the targeting to to things as, as complex as when you have a PR agent and you're going for a festival or an awards show, how these PR agents can even make sure from the moment you leave South Africa to the moment you come back to South Africa, they've taken care of, you know, your flights, your red carpet, the, like they, you pay this package and they just describe. Was this the one that you were telling me about where even they, they, they pick the specific festivals, which they think is perfect for your film? No, no. So that's, that's, that's uh, another talk. Oh, sorry. Yes. So I really enjoyed that talk because we got to ask a lot of questions and the two people who were in that panel were very, very open to answering them. It was fantastic. Now, my final two, because this final two uh, were my two favorites for, for two very, very different reasons. The first one is the one you're talking about and I've got the name here. It was actually titled How to Create a Successful Film Festival Strategy. It was hosted by Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith and she goes by the the title the film festival doctor this one was was great in the sense that she gave us a blueprint for how to plan and approach film festivals how to budget for them so if you didn't even know that there's three things you need to budget for she gave us detail like okay cool do you have your film festival budget as in entering each festival has a has a entrance fee entrance fee so have you budgeted for as many of those have you budgeted for materials? Materials are simply your posters. You know, if you have to pay for a graphic designer, your your trailer. Have you have you budgeted for that? Have you budgeted for all these other things like for delivery purposes? There's a DCP drive. Have you budgeted for not just your travel, but your travel 
and your living it's where you could even make a comparison between okay i'm going to a film festival in brazil or in china compared to going to a film festival in tribeca new york now tribeca or new york is probably one of the most expensive cities in the world so you not only have to remember that yo i'm paying for the flights and where i'm staying but just the cost of a meal there might be the cost of an entire week of eating somewhere else yeah it was just simple things like those the toolbox were given just as an example why are you doing the festival when you ask a simple question like that are you doing this festival run for a to get my movie seen as many places as possible mm-hmm. b am i doing it to maybe get distribution or get it sold yeah or c am i looking to get awards that i can attach to the poster and create a bit of a marketing buzz each of those things require different strategy and requires even you to understand which festivals you need to attend because some festivals have strengths in regards to let's say distribution some have strengths in regards to getting awards and others are great for fans and for to us the differentiate between a festival which is attended by industry people like the like DFM kind of yeah or festival which is attended by locals like cherry from festival yeah how do you so it was so great um those are both south african from festivals uh, by the way cherry from festival happens in the free state yes that's why i, I use it as, a, as an example i really got a lot of information from that um we got to ask a lot of questions and then my other favorite one and this one was my favorite because of how it was presented It's called Mixtape Filmmaking. The guy who presented it is a filmmaker called Khalil El Jalalaiti. Now, I'm probably butchering his name, but um Khalil is a South African filmmaker. He compares how he makes films to how mixtapes were made in the 80s, the mixtape hip hop culture. The first thing he said is that your general production company makes money per production. But a filmmaker should be making money every time you can sell the film to as many places as possible. Production companies like he said they make money from commissioning content to TV, but a production company makes money by producing content. So it's simple. If it's an ad agency and they have a brief, they'll pay the production company a set amount and then that's it. The ad agency keeps the ad. If it's a wedding and you need to film the wedding, you get paid for that one. So he was now saying, "Okay, cool." how do we create a system kalil actually started way before a lot of people in 2009 by going straight to uh, your digital platforms like like doing youtube ads so he started and what i'm saying out of the industry it's like he was outside the industry this is alternative sorry so alternative so that's what's mixtape culture it's like underground hip hop yeah so he was now basically detailing his journey as a mixtape filmmaker the many ways that he uses to cut costs within the film or how to even convince a, a potential funder or investor to invest in his film so he was giving us a lot of those tidbits and one of the tidbits i recall him giving was forget about the k and worry about the l so What that means is for a lot of guys um, filmmakers when you're trying to purchase a camera you're looking at is it a 4K is it a 6K is it an 8K that being the quality of the 
the resolution the resolution you get from it. And he says, don't worry about the K, focus on the L. L standing for lenses. So he says, if you can get quality lenses, you can still be able to get great content that is still, um, that you're still able to sell. Because the higher the resolution camera you go for, obviously the more money you have to spend on acquiring that equipment, whether it's for rental um, or purchasing. So just a tidbit like that, like, yo, look, Focus on, on, on the lens. And if you can, get somebody who's very skilled at using that because you can save a lot of money as, um, instead of actually getting a really high-resolution camera. Because also, if you have a high-resolution camera and you don't know what to do with it, it's not... Absolutely. Um, the other thing he... The other tidbit I remember he, he said is, like a mixtape, when you out there selling the mixtape out your boot, because that, that was another one I enjoyed. Like if you're selling a mixtape out the boot or you out there just hustling, trying to sell it to as many people, he said you can do the same thing with your film. Like approach places, approach people, create an event, um, go to a restaurant and make a deal and say, oh, look, I can play a movie. I've got a projector. You get your movie out there, market it, sell it like a mixtape. I actually found that quite interesting because you're getting the interest for your film out there and you're still able to even get your film into different um, platforms and, and channels across the country so you can still get it onto a place like Showmax. So you're just out there, you're selling it, you're hustling at the back of your boot, but not necessarily like selling... Um, Mixtapes, but just the the spirit. It's of the it. spirit of it. So that was that was the approach which he brought to the talk, and I I found it uh, I found it very um, enlightening. I found it very interesting the way he presented it, and I I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I I thought it was very educational. Okay, cool. So now our next segment, essentially, what we're going to be doing is now a film breakdown of the films which we watched at the festival. So as Kibbs has already stated, he has watched 11 and I have watched 12. But essentially, what we're going to be doing is speaking about our favorite films. Now, our favorite don't necessarily have to mean that we believe these were the best films. However, these are the films which resonated with us individually. Now, of the of my 12 films and of Kibbs's 11 films, I believe there were three films which correlated between my 12 and his 11. And of two of those films, I believe there is a very sentimental reason as to why, because um, two of those films happen to be Kenyan films. And if you do not know, we are multinational in that we are both Kenyan South African. So our dad is Kenyan and mom is South African. We've been living in South Africa for a while and we've been starved of Kenyan content. So every time we have an opportunity, we jump on, we jump on. But also I like the fact that our lists don't have that much correlation between them because it also kind of shows within the festival, we all have different kind of tastes and fields. So we're going to first talk about the three films which we watched because we can then have a conversation about how we felt about them. And then after that, we're going to talk about our two favorite films outside of that. So the three films which we have both watched are A Guide to Dining in Nairobi, which is from Kenya. Uradi, which is a Kenyan feature film, as well as an Egyptian film by the name of Belia. Belia, yeah. Yes. I kept saying Baila, and then I realized that the I and the L were... 
was swapped but yeah so i think let us start with a guide to dining in nairobi so just to give a brief uh, overview of the film a non-spoilery over overview of the film this is a film starring yafesi mosu okay and written directed by hugh milton a guide to dining in nairobi follows a security guard in kenya who gets 10 us dollars tip a tip yes from yes. his wealthy boss and decides to treat himself to a night on the town this is the only comedy that i had watched in the entire festival i don't think that i saw another comedy and i'm not sure how many comedies were there but for me this was the only comedy performance that i actually got to watch but how did you find a guide to dining in nairobi so the first thing i will say about a guide to dining out in nairobi is i actually laughed out loud i mean i was sitting watching it on my ear, um, in my earphones and I was laughing like I'm in the theater. I thought the movie was hilarious. I really found that the I really enjoyed the actor, the guy who were following while he's uh, having a night out on the town. Yes. For me, actually, uh, jumping on that, Yafesi for me is a master of physical comedy because this is the, the, the short form actually just hinges on, on him. him yeah because you start off with him um with him as a security guard and him getting the 10 us dollars and it's 10 us dollars and you just see his eyes light up and he's like you know what now now we're talking business so for me actually uh Yafesi's performance out of all the performances i think he gave one of the for me he gave one of the more memorable performances of all the films i watched just by the physical comedy because this man goes from having 10 us dollars and then now he's out renting suits he's uh he's he's renting suits he's getting like he's got a walk like the yeah, man he had a swagger <laughs> the, when when it started he didn't have a swagger then the moment he got the $10, there was that, there was that, there was that pip in his step. He had a I little, am the man. He had a pip in his step. Yeah. So that's that. Cause since it's a short film, I don't think we can give any more details without actually giving spoilers, but I really enjoyed his, um, his performance. And if I could say this, it felt like also there were no small roles. Every single other person who had a very tiny role. For example, the lady where he went to go rent the suit, because you've talked about that. Yeah. Right? Even her, her facial expressions. She, she knew I've got a little bit of a small moment, and she really was able to give us a nice performance. And everyone, I mean, it was just small performances Even here at there. the restaurant, because you could find, you could feel the dynamics even of him there. Yes. They really gave us that little bit of a, of a nuance, and that also enhanced this man's performance performance because everyone was just feeding him yeah there was there was great great <laughs> contrast and i think for me it was a great film in showing how and where the value of money lies dependent on the individual that you're speaking to yes. and i think that is the perfect way to kind of encapsulate the theme of the film without actually giving multiple spoilers because you can actually unpack that in multiple ways alone just within that form yes yes definitely do you have any final thoughts on the film or you No, i'm i'm yeah i'm i'm, I'm happy with um what we've uh, spoken about okay and then the second film which is a short film is an egyptian short film by the name of belia and this is a film which is choreographed and directed by iman hussein and the word choreographed is actually a very important too so um 
Kibbs watched this film. I, I did hide something from you, yes. Yeah, so he watched this film and then he came to me and said, this is a film that I think you should watch. And I, I walked in and I was like, okay, cool, cool. Let me check this film out. It's like 15 minutes max. And it's not long. Yeah. yeah, it's not long. And the concept is this young woman and her friends join a car repair shop. Essentially, we just see them um, repair. They're kind of like apprentices. That's what actually Belia means in Egyptian. Yes, appren- apprentice, yes. So they're there to kind of learn the craft um, of how to fix these cars and genuinely for me i had no i had no clue because you just told me to watch this film and it felt more like a documentary just felt like we're watching the lives of people just in jay just living their lives and i was like okay is this like one of those senegalese films because um, the senegalese films which i've watched also have a very documentary-esque they feel very real they feel very real and very natural then all of a sudden they're now fixing this cars and the sound effects as they're like turning the um the wrench yeah as they're turning the wrench is now starting to make a beat and the thing is initially i was like hmm this sounds musical, but I'm not going to think more of it. Then it just kept building and it became this composition. Next thing, the actors were moving in choreography and I was like, is this a dance piece? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And essentially, the, the film actually really doesn't have much of a story. It is just literally a choreographed, really well choreographed dance piece that starts off very natural and then just goes into a choreography based upon using the elements that would come within. So if you think about the fact that the percussion sounds were coming from the wrench and the banging of the bonnet and stuff like that, the, the wind, you know, is like the sound of the spray. Yeah, it was. All of so, the sound effects felt natural to the <laughs> to the thing. So I was yeah. fascinated. I was entirely fascinated by that film. In fact, whilst you guys from my previous reviews know that I may have issues with dance films, films which are dance pieces, for example, um, films which are dance pieces and just focus on dance, I have very little problem with, or even like music films which have a lot of choreography, because that's what's at center stage and here it was really done beautifully and then our final film which is actually a feature film is a film by the name of uradi which is a kenyan film written and directed by kanye the mungai starring starring maura bailao peter kawa and manasse nyanga so this uradi is a i'm gonna call it a drama and suspense film I, i believe it fits between the two yes that follows Komu. So Komu is this young man from the rurals who goes to Nairobi to get a college degree. Whilst trying to be a student and making a living, we follow his journey as he gets into a life of high earning crime and terrorism. The blast which occurred at around 1pm is believed to have been well orchestrated, targeting the peak lunchtime hour. It is feared that over 150 people could be dead, including some 25. What do you mean? What are you talking about, man? This is terrorism! I like to be brief and direct. It's interesting how you need education to get money. Come. In the best. And yet, you need money to get an education. 
So, Como, an interesting name. Where are you from? Nahururu. That's close to Nyeri area, right? It's actually about 50 kilometers. So, now, we had two very different reactions to this film. I think it would be better if you start with how you found the film and then I'll chip in. So, I... I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. The beginning does show that hustle, that hustle and seedy attitude of Nairobi and how everyone is trying to make a plan. And plan is, Uradi is a plan. Everyone is trying to make up. Everyone is always on the move. And this is what actually sucks him in to want more. And that's how he ends up, you know, joining this, this life of crime. Now, what I really found about this film, it gave me was a sense of like a, a Tony Scott film, like Enemy of the State, where our main character keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper into something. And you're not actually sure how is this guy going to get out? So it felt like those, for me, it felt like the, 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 those 90s suspense films, but with an African budget. <laughs> I, I don't want to it, it shouldn't sound no no guys I do not want that to sound bad that came that, that hit really me did. that that hit me off field I was not expecting that statement but I get where you're coming you, you from you get where I'm where coming, coming from. from yeah so you've got this character who has ambitions who has things that he wants to achieve and people who he wants to help his decisions keep begetting other decisions and he keeps going down this spiral and we do not know how he's going to get out. And that for me was what I enjoyed going through that journey with him, wondering, how is this guy going to get out of this? And then also remembering that a lot of African films, or not, not just African films, independent films, sometimes maybe this guy might die. You never know. <laughs> like, so you're watching and you're like, Yo, how's this guy going to get out of this, this is situation? No, this is not Hollywood. They <laughs> could not, actually die. You are Hollywood. very right. <laughs> You are very right so, about So you are now stuck in this and that's how I I really I was I was really into it. I was caught up in the thrill and it also showed that there was no can I call it criminal or what crime is? You can't tell what what type of person can get into this. It could be the most serious guy or even the most learned PhD type guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I I really got from it. Yeah. So cr- crime can consume all. Yes. Okay. So I had a much different reaction to the film. I'd rather say I had a mixed reaction because this was also a film which before I watched it, it was on my list. But Kibbs's reaction to it then kind of brought me into this film. So I'm going to set that as context. I might have been too excited. This man was really... <laughs> this man <laughs> sold this film to me. And if I'm being honest, I loved how ambitious the story was and what it tried to cover, the genre, the characters, the stakes, how real and specific those stakes were to a lived-in Ken- Kenyan reality because it follows how specific types of terrorist bombings or terrorist situations actually occur and the people who are behind them and sometimes unwillingly or unknowingly get behind these specific types of situations, right? Um, and I know that can feel as a spoiler, but it kind of shows it within the actual 
Information. Yeah, information and trailer. So I loved what it was going for. I loved actually the great deal of characters who I thoroughly enjoyed, the actors and everything. A lot of the things which you were talking about. But at the same time, I don't feel from a full-on script perspective that it fully met what it wanted to do. So, f- for example, this is a film which was nine. It was like just under two hours long. Yeah, it was about an hour fifty-six minutes. So this is a gangster film which we're talking about, and going into it, the poster is very gangstery. Everything is kind of everything surrounding what the information this film is giving you is leading you towards a very crime-esque film. But the first 30 minutes of it, and more so between once we get to Nairobi, builds up a completely different movie. And by the time we pivot into the gangster movie, there's a lot of stuff for the gangster genre that I don't think was fully set up. Because we spent a lot of time with this character doing things which at the time felt like they made sense to the story. But then those things weren't paid off at the end so this guy has a friend who he makes a friend who introduces him to the person who's going to take him into this life of crime he even has to at a specific point in time leave the city but at no point does anyone that he's kind of close with or that they've spent enough time building these relationships with or building these stakes with ever kind of communicate with him and i believe that those are kind of stakes which make sense within the within this type of genre we spent like there were a lot of montages which built like the student life but then once we got into the gangster film the student life literally just falls away it falls away and it didn't exist so it kind of begs the question why we spent so much time building it up and the way that it was built up wasn't giving us enough information as to what was coming and sometimes it's not about like foreshadowing but just kind of there were specific characters who were even in there that could have just been given a little bit more nuance that when their full character came into being we were like whoa so for me it was more so of the film i enjoyed the film don't get me wrong if the film i was expecting was like a 10 out of 10 i was more so going in at a 6.5 out of 10 in terms of how i exited the film purely because there were there were a lot of things which were given attention which i don't think were necessary once the film film once i now saw what the film came to be but at the same time there were other things which with that same time with that same time that was given to these things which proved to not have been important if they were given to these other things would have yeah. kind of um enhanced the that suspense and the thrill of the film. Yes, because the suspense of the film, for a suspense film, there were a great deal of things which weren't as suspenseful as they could have been. The performances were, like the the actors, most of the actors actually for me came to play. The the lead gave us trauma, was the epitome of trauma, and epitome of scared trauma. Like this man... Every, too deep. <laughs> every time something <laughs> happened, he was scared. The main villain, Peter Kawa, who is basically like an army general-esque type character, who's like training a lot of these military people. He was, for, for a villain, fantastic, fantastic. as, fantastic, fantastic as a villain. All of the, like a lot of these characters, even Manas and Yanga, his character is actually my favorite character in the film. But again, because we gave a lot of time to the student life, 
I don't think we got enough of his character fleshed out because his character is a very interesting character. So there are a lot of characters who actually, once we got into the gangster genre, were so interesting, but they weren't given enough... Enough time, yeah. Enough time to kind of roost. And in the same, and, and in the same time, the way the film ended for me, just the last frame, I'm not going to say what it was, but the last frame left a lot of questions as to how and why. But I enjoyed the film, but I think the film had a lot more potential that it could have exploited as a suspense genre and also in kind of building in the stakes because once he got into the gangster things and things were going south for him actually once things were going deeper and once he was getting deeper and deeper into it we didn't get what the stakes that he was fighting for were enough like this guy was gone for like a full month and no friends talked about him even when he's able to kind of get back the two worlds were completely separated and they felt like they were two different films so yeah, I think that was my main my main problem with it. Would you is there anything else you'd like to add? Look, so on my side I think maybe I might have gone into the movie with some blinders because I you wanted did, the film to succeed. I really did. I really really did. Um my patriotism was was out there in full blast and I did see a lot of those gaps. I think I just chose to not see them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they were there i had questions and i powered through because wow this is you know and because i was i was in that mode you know i'm watching this suspense thriller i think i watched the movie for what it could be and not exactly what it was that's my excitement was a 10 but i do agree with a lot of what you said as to why it's a 6.5 to a 7 out of 10 and not obviously a 10 out of 10 yeah yes so who are your favorite performances within the film so my favorite performances is you're saying manasa nyaga's character was either jomo i think he was the he was the the roommate who then actually introduced him into no no not juma um the the drone guy the no the drone guy is his name that's not manasa nyaga the drone guy is he was he actually shared the same movie a similar movie with the lead called 40 Sticks. His name is Robert Agengo. So, his character. I enjoyed his character. I really wanted to see more. So, who's Ro- who, who is this character? Because we haven't spoken about him. So, this is a character who um, our main guy meets within the journey. He's a, he's a smart guy who is in this life because... The best way I can put it is... is is a, the best way I can put the situation he finds himself in is to actually use a quote that he used within the film. Because he's trying to achieve something in life. And he says, to achieve in life, you need education. But to get education, you need money. So he's like, yo, I'm doing this for money and then I'll finish my education and then I'll have a good life. His character is a very smart guy. They were using his technical, like, I'd say he's like engineer type guy, very smart. He just also has found himself in this situation and is also in too deep and is actually a very, very similar character to our main guy, but they've got different stakes. Which also kind of speaks to one of the great things, one of the, I think, brilliant things about the film in terms of the story was just showing us, like, in terms of the people who you think are terrorists or the people who you find or think to believe to be terrorists, the faces that you have in your head 
it's versus the faces who are actually there because this film is inspired by real events. They, they, there's a difference and even the motives that you could give these people differ from what storytelling and what history kind of has made us to believe because yes. these are people who essentially are just like me and you normal guys just don't have the same access and the same privilege and yes. are using the knowledge they have to be able to get what they want at the same time yes because it's like the movie changed when he arrived to be honest <laughs> I think the movie changed once Manasseh's character showed himself who to who oh, he to be who he, he was. Yes, you're right. For me, those those two characters, the roommate, yeah, the, the one roommate, who, the one who introduces him to the life, and the guy who he meets during the journey. Those, okay, those are my favorite characters. Overall, I don't actually like giving film scores, but I did enjoy this film. I just thought that it could have been more. And that concludes part one of All That Yaz's Div Special. Join us soon for part two as we get further into films which showcased at the Durban International Film Festival, including films such as Pusha Pressa Panda and The Sit-In. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. If you'd like to interact with me on my socials, you can do so on Yaz the Student, which is Y-A-Z-Z the Student, on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on our Instagram page for All That Yaz, which is All That YZZ. Alternatively, if you'd like to submit something for review or for discussion or within a formal platform, you can also email us at allthatyazpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your time and we shall see you with more All That Yaz. Yes.